Around Gig Harbor, deer are kind of a nuisance. Like, I have a couple deer once or twice a year that wander into my garden. They like my hydrangeas, and so that, that's a bother. But in other areas of the country, they're a much bigger problem. Where we lived in western New York, there was a herd of 150,000 deer in our county. And that paled in comparison to Pennsylvania, the next state to the south. There are places in Pennsylvania where there are more deer than people. And when that happens, oftentimes deer get hit on the road. And I could never figure out why this happened because my observation would be that deer would come to and stand on the side of the road and then when your car got close, they would run in front of you and get hit and die. And I was talking about how stupid deer must be with somebody who had lived there their entire life and they shared what was, I thought, a really interesting factoid with me. And what they shared was that a deer's desire to be home when it doesn't feel safe is the strongest feeling it has in that moment. It wants to get home worse than it's afraid of your car. And that's why they dart out. They sense danger and the thing that's on their mind is, I need to get home. And so they run out in front of the car and sometimes they get hit and sometimes they die. But they just have this strong sense when it feels like they're in danger that they need to be home. They need to be someplace safe and I think that's pretty smart for deer. And I think we get that. Right now, I think we all long for safety. I think we all long for a sense of security, for the familiar. What a disorienting and stressful time we're living in. I mean, there's the pandemic, but social change is just racing ahead in some good ways and in some maybe not so good ways. Technology moves at warp speed. I know a bazillion times more about AI this year than I did last year. Some things that we knew so well, and they seem unrecognizable to us now. Politics and politicians, people are doing stuff we never thought we would see people do. And now there's a war, the likes of which most of us never thought we would see. There's a biblical motif, a biblical theme, that captures these feelings really well. It's called exile. To be in exile is different than to have moved away from home. Like, I'm not in exile in Washington. We moved here, we like it. Now, I felt like I was in exile when we moved to Chicago, but that's a different story. Exile is forced. Exile is when you're driven out from where you want to be from your home, the familiar, and you end up in a foreign land, an alien place, a place that you don't want to be. And it's disorienting. It's anxiety producing. It makes you exhausted and it can sap you of hope. And that's what we're going to talk about this Lent. What it's like to live in exile when you don't feel like you're in the familiar anymore. And we're going to do that through two important passages written during and about exile. Psalm 137 and Jeremiah chapter 29. So I'm going to read part of Psalm 137 today and just let these words roll over you and feel the visceral nature of the emotions that they're describing. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs, 
Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? To me, that's so poignant. Verse 4 sums up the sentiment. How are we supposed to sing God's songs when we're in exile? How are we supposed to live as God's people when everything around us feels foreign? Exile, displacement, disorientation, strangers in a strange land. That's what this is all about. Now, there's a specific context, but there's also a larger theme that's going on here. The specific context of Psalm 137 and Jeremiah 29 is the Babylonian captivity. It's called that because Babylon comes and takes them captive to Babylon. This is one of the two most momentous events of God's people in the Old Testament, the other being the exodus from Egypt. And this had such an impact on the psyche of the people that it still has an impact today. I remember the, uh, it, the, Israel is on a lunar calendar, and so their dates change every year in relationship to the solar calendar that we're on. And one year I was there, and you could tell that something was being prepared for, and I knew it wasn't Rosh Hashanah, I knew it wasn't Yom Kippur, you know, Shabbat, and I was like, what's going on? And everybody's like, Tisha B'Av. Tisha B'Av, we're all preparing for Tisha B'Av. I'm like, well, Av is a month and Tisha means nine. So apparently it's something celebrated on the ninth of Av. And I asked what that was. And they're like, it's the destruction of the temple. Like the destruction of the temple happened in 587 BC. And they're like, yeah. And it is to this day, the biggest mourning day on the Hebrew calendar. And when Jews go to synagogue on Tisha B'Av, they read Psalm 137. How are we supposed to sing the Lord's song when everything familiar, the temple, the locus of where God was, where we go to worship, the style of worship, our friends, our people, when everything that's familiar has been taken away from us. 2,500 years later, it still affects people. There's still a deep sense of loss and of being alienated from the familiar and the important, from the things that gave people a sense of identity, of who they are. And so the context is they've been marched 900 miles from Jerusalem to Babylon, a journey of maybe three or four months, and then they're plopped down next to the river and everything they know has been taken from them. And so they sit and they weep. And they take their musical instruments and they hang them up. They put it away because there's no singing, there's no joy, just memories of what's been lost and loss of hope for the future. I think we understand these feelings. And maybe the psalm, like is so often the case, gives us words to express what we're feeling. With everything going on around us, how are we supposed to cope with this? How are we supposed to worship God? How are we supposed to live lives that are pleasing to God with all of the pressures that we face? Where do we find our identity when all the places that we used to find our identity have changed? I think in the church realm, there's this huge shift during the pandemic. Everything changed. In many ways, it accelerated that which was already happening and made the reality of people's connection to Jesus in the church very stark. 
And now we're living in this new, not quite formed reality that's very different from the reality of two and a half years ago. Not that all change is bad, far from it. There are a lot of really good things going on. There are a lot of good changes that are happening in the church and in society. Some things need to change, but even good change can be challenging. It's like when you change jobs and it takes you a while to learn the new corporate culture. That change is still hard, even if it's good. So we understand the situation that God's people find themselves in, where feeling like everything that was familiar and comforting has been taken away. And that could lead to what the psalm is talking about, feeling depressed and hopeless. And sometimes we too can want to take our harps and hang that up and say, I quit. So we get this. We understand the feeling. It's what makes so many biblical texts so powerful. There's also something that's really interesting that's happening in the text that is a little less obvious. In Old Testament understanding, there's this really important triangle. You have God, you have the people of God, and you have the land. So much of the Old Testament, beginning with Deuteronomy, is based on this. These three go together. As long as the people keep God as their God, God keeps them in the land. It's kind of this cycle of blessing. And there's a triangle here in this passage from Psalm 137, but it's a different triangle. You have the conquerors, Babylon. You have the conquered, Israel. And you have the land that they're absent from. Conquerors, conquered, exile. What's missing from the triangle? Or maybe who's missing from the triangle? God. God is missing from the triangle. In the verses that I read, the only mention of God is a sort of, well, we used to sing God's songs. God is missing from their lives, and God has been missing from their lives. And now they're experiencing the consequences of life apart from God. And that ultimately is the cause of all exile. We've walked away from God. Now the situation that they find themselves in didn't happen by accident, and it didn't happen overnight. They'd been warned over and over and over again. If you follow God, there will be blessings, the first triangle. If you don't follow God, there will be consequences that will look much more like the second triangle. And over and over, they didn't listen. And now they're sitting in Babylon. If you think about this, this is a bit sobering. Is it possible that our lack of obedience, our faithlessness, or our lazy attitude towards our faith contributes to the conditions that we find ourselves in? The people in Psalm 137 were where they were because they forgot God. And I suspect that that might be how we got here too. But we have to be careful as we look at our situation because it's really easy to blame other people for the problems we face. If only we had politicians who agreed with me, we would not be in this state. If people only cared about morality as I define it, we wouldn't be going down this path we are now. If other people behaved differently or correctly or like I think they should, but that's too easy. Let's blame them. It's the politician's fault. It's the other side's fault. It's those people's fault. You see where I'm headed here? We can blame other people, but is that really where the problem exists? You see, the applicable question in my mind is not, 
What place does God hold in our country? The applicable question in my mind is, what place does God hold in my heart? The biggest problem is not without. The biggest problem is within. 1 Peter 4.7, Peter writes, For it's time for judgment to begin with God's household. It starts with us. That means I need to take a look at my life. How is my relationship to God? How is my relationship to God playing out in how I look at the world, how I treat people, in what my priorities are? It's no surprise that people who don't know God don't share our view of what's right and wrong. It's more of a surprise when people who say they know God can't find their way to righteousness or behavior that would honor God. Have we forgotten God like Israel did? Is God just this nostalgic idea from the golden days of our past? Where they find themselves is a consequence of God being forgotten in their hearts, sitting in Babylon in despair, in exile, separated from God. That's the context. But this brings us to the larger theme of exile in the Bible and also to hope. Because it can be argued that the whole Bible is about exile and return from exile. The exile begins in the Garden of Eden. We were created at home. We were created to be where we were supposed to be. We were created to be in a safe place. We were created to be known, to feel secure. And then it all got messed up by the choices that we made. And we were literally exiled, thrown out of the safe place, out of the garden, a barrier between us and God, the source of exile being separated from God. And we've been in exile ever since, kind of wandering, making things up in our own, on our own, knowing at some deep level in our lives that this, this is not what we were made for. This was not the things we were supposed to experience. This is not how it's supposed to be. A longing that our hearts had to be home. And that's when the plan of God comes into effect. Because what Jesus does is goes into exile with us to bring us back from exile. That's what Jesus does in coming to live here among us to show us what God is like. That's what Jesus does when he teaches us how we should be, how to relate to God, how to relate to one another. That's all how you get out of exile. And then finally, the acts on the cross and the tomb and the resurrection and the ascension are the breaking of the exilic condition so that God can bring us home. And if you go to the opposite end from the book of Genesis, the opposite end of the Bible to the book of Revelation, you have us coming home again, being returned from exile. So the largest theme in the Bible really is the exile of our hearts and souls and the lengths that God is willing to go to bring us home from exile. So now let's look at our lives. How are we supposed to live in this foreign land? How do we navigate so many things that in a very short amount of time have become so familiar? How do we worship through tears? How do we worship when we're scared? How do we worship when you're living with loss? Well, just a couple of thoughts. I think one of the ways that we do that is with honesty. This psalm is already very real, and next week it will get even realer.
We have this ability to do what this psalm is doing, and that's to lament. Lament is not the same as just complaining. Lament is taking the reality of our lives and laying it before God. It's talking about how things really are. God, how am I supposed to deal with this? How am I supposed to sing your songs? How am I supposed to live for you? How am I supposed to find my identity in this crazy, mixed-up world? God, why are we dealing with things that are so hard? Do you see how hard things are down here, God? That's all lament. I think we can be honest before God because every time we bring the things in our lives that are difficult before God, we get to see them from God's perspective. We get to be reminded that there is our God that we can bring our stuff to. I think we can be honest and we need to be honest with some introspection. We need to look at ourselves. Where am I at in my relationship with God? Does what I say, does what I do, does what I claim to be my faith and my priorities, does that play itself out in the everyday stuff and substance of my life? Maybe you're disappointed with God, and I would encourage you to be honest about that too. Has God not lived up to what you thought his part of the bargain was? Do you feel like God has abandoned you because of some of the things that you're going through? What expectations did you have of God that maybe he hasn't met? And then what effort have you put into that relationship? And have you lived up to your part of the bargain too? I think we need to honestly be retro uh, introspective. I think we need to move forward with resolve, with a renewed dedication to restore the joy of God's salvation in our lives. And Lent is this wonderful chance to return because we are purposely walking from understanding our own death, if Jesus hadn't st uh, stepped into our lives to break that, walking from that through Lent to Easter, where we remember the good news of Jesus Christ, that he's risen from the dead and he breaks the power of sin and death in our lives and in the world where he can bring us to a place out of exile, where our hearts are at home. We need, with resolve, to have a renewed dedication to restoring that in our lives. I think we need to have resolve to figure out how we sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land, because we're still living in exile, and it certainly feels like exile to me. And there will always be the temptation to take our harps and hang them up on the poplars and quit but people still need hope. And Jesus is still the hope of the world. We've just got to do things differently than we did before. I think also we need to do it with faith because God is still God. And even though some days are very, very messy along the way, we are still on the way. And the way is God leading us home. So let me ask you three questions. What do you find most disturbing or disorienting about life right now? Number two, where is your heart in relationship to God this week? And number three, what's one thing this week that you can actively do to keep connected or to deepen your connection to God?